0: When you are free, you live a life that sets other people free. God has more for you than you can ever imagine.
1: Three words, hope, health, and show.
0: Amen by myself.
1: Welcome to Midtown.
0: Midtown, Elk Grove, how y'all doing? Y'all good? Mixed message there. How you like the new digs? What do you think? Fortune High School, great place, love it, uh, it, it fits us here at, at, at Midtown El Grove too, um, and the, the, the days have been perfect, it was wonderful outside, it's, it's, I, I love the venue, I really do, and I hope you guys are joining it as well. Um, you know, we are literally less than two weeks away from Thanksgiving, is that insane? It's just nuts, right? How many of you like Thanksgiving as a holiday, just out of curiosity, Yeah. Love it. And I'm not talking about what we celebrate, you know, that might be a little sketch, so um, I'm just talking about as a holiday. It's good. Uh, to me, it's not the best holiday. It's a, it's a good holiday. A lot of people really don't like, if you don't like Thanksgiving, raise your hand. You, yeah? I hear you. I feel you, Kevin. I feel you. Um, bad decorations, right? Uh, depending on whose house you go to, the food ain't no good either, Right? Am I right about that? Depends on what house you go to, right? Y'all got good, good Thanksgiving food at your house? Yeah, yeah cool, cool. I cook. I, I do a good job. Um, Thanksgiving is like the only holiday where they had to add two football games to really spice it up. They did that like 65 years ago, you know, just to add some spice to it. I don't know. Thanksgiving is like the middle child of holidays. You got The kids love Halloween. The kids love Christmas. Thanksgiving is right in the middle. It's the poor little middle child, you know. But um, we are continuing our sermon series today My Dysfunctional Family. Because how many of us know that all of our families are dysfunctional at some level? About seven of us have that right. Um, And they are dysfunctional because they are full of broken people like me and like you. So we talked about some things in God's Word that can help us manage the tensions in our own dysfunctional families. But right now, we're taking a turn, and we're talking about living in and managing the tensions that come with living in our dysfunctional church family, because I don't care what church you're a part of, whether it's our church here or another one, um, your church family is at least as dysfunctional as your real family or, or, or your biological family or your adopted family, because it, too, is full of broken people like me and like you. How many, for how many people is that news to you? Um, Is it Okay, good. Um, The title of today's message is The Church Family That Serves. Our main text is Philippians 2, and we're going through 1 through 18. We're going to talk about, as the body of Christ, our call to serve each other inside the body and to provide good service to those who attend anything that we provide as a church uh, who are outside the body. We're we're talking about giving. We're talking about getting good service. We're talking about Customer service in reality, um, we're talking about serving people. H- have you ever been somewhere where the customer service was impeccable, like outset nobody's been anywhere who um, <clears throat> what was that Nordstroms oh Mortons yeah, it's good service there. Um, you know service that made the experience so good. You just left the place feeling like that. That's how it is done right there, you know? Um, the Four Seasons is a place that comes to mind. Uh, they're known for going out of their way, it's part of their mission statement. Um, Nordstrom's, I thought you had said Nordstrom's. Nordstrom's another place that, that wants to be known for that. I don't know if they should be known for that, but they, they want to. Um, we've been to a place called the Halakalani Hotel in, in Hawaii. And they win the prize to me. I mean, the first time we were there, our whole family went. But when we first got there, Letty and I started walking around because the place was so beautiful. And as we were walking around, one of the concierge people walked up to us and said, Welcome, Mr. and Mrs. Ballion. Can I walk you over to the bar for for a drink? And he knew who we were before we even checked in. I was like, babe, we have died and gone to heaven. It, It is all right now. Uh, but but on the flip side, we've all experienced terrible customer service, right? Uh, I mean, we all know that side of the ledger maybe more times than we want to. Uh, say customer service for a, a, a credit card that's not working for no reason. Um, when you call customer service on that, his name is usually Chad. I don't know why. Um, Chad isn't very good at solving your problem. Um, we only consider him good because he's very apologetic. Uh, yes, Mr. Balian. I'm sorry, Mr. Balian. I know it's an inconvenience, Mr. Balian. Okay, Chad, um, maybe you could be my pastor, but I, I need a manager right now, so get somebody else. Expedia, anybody ever use Expedia? <clears throat> Nobody, okay, Kevin, Why? Kevin, me and you have had a lot of the same terrible experiences. Um, if you use them for a flight or hotel, you literally never talk to a human being on Expedia. You do all of your complaining to something called a chat bot. Uh, You never get anything resolved with a chat bot. I I had to recruit my daughter to chase down a human being because I double booked something that wasn't my fault one time. It took five days for her to track them down. It was expensive too. When Taylor finally got a hold of somebody and got it resolved, I recommitted my life to Christ. I cried and everything. Um, The chat bot at Expedia is the single best evidence there is on the planet for the need for human customer service. When you call most companies for customer service now, they have some form of AI um, from the start. Most companies have a recorded message that says we're going to record the call to monitor it for quality assurance. I don't know about y'all, that doesn't give me any assurance at all, none. Um, When I finally get a live customer service rep, I usually go, just so you know, I'm recording the call on my end too because I don't trust you at all. Um, It is nearly impossible to get good customer service anymore because almost nobody wants to serve, unfortunately. Um, It's a human thing and a corporate thing. Getting served well is a challenge. And as we said, we've all experienced someone who is in the customer service business, but seems like they don't really like serving customers. Tips are used as an attempt to incentivize good service, but with some people, that doesn't even help. Um, Some chosen few people, maybe like you all, don't need a financial incentive to provide good service. They simply have a servant's heart. The church should be a community of brothers and sisters that have servant's hearts. Jesus called us to reimagine what family is when he said, whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my sister, And my mother and Christ followers shouldn't need incentives or encouragement or tips to be good servants. We should provide good service to one another simply because we have a servant's heart because our Savior had a servant's heart. Amen. All by myself. And the church should have a better reputation for customer service than the Four Seasons or Nordstroms or anywhere else in the secular world. Because we have a God who served us in a way that deserves a great reputation, And because we're all brothers and sisters, today we're going to look at what the Apostle Paul had to say about how we serve one another, how church family serves each other. We're going to talk about four key thoughts. Number one, if you're building your own outline, super simple things too. The first one is this, put others first. It's all over the Bible, but it's really specific here. Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Can I pray before I read the Bible? Is that cool? Y'all pray at Midtown El Grove? Y'all do that? Yeah, I think you do. Tyrone and Raquel do it a lot. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Uh, we love you. We appreciate you and, a, and adore you. Um, and, and sometimes it doesn't always seem that way, I'm sure, from your uh, camera angle, Lord, but we do. And so I pray right now <clears throat> just to learn this stuff about serving one another, Lord. Would you remove me? I pray you're speaking through me. I pray I'm just a tool um, that you used out of your toolbox. Let every... Meditation of my mind and murmuring of my mouth be of you. Um, and Lord, one more thing. Can you put your healing hand on De'Aaron's ankle right now? In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we, we, need, we need some healing for De'Aaron. All right, uh, this is Philippians, 1, 2, th- uh, Philippians 2, 1 through 4. Therefore, if any of you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, of any comfort from his love, of any common sharing in the Spirit, If any tenderness and compassion, if you have any of those darn things, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind, having some unity. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Nothing. That's pretty inclusive, you guys. Rather in humility, value others above yourself. Really specific. Does that sound like the age we're living in right now? It really doesn't. Four, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. I'm gonna push back a little bit on the generation we're living in and the times we're living in right now. I hope that's okay with you guys. We live in an era of time where trying to think of others before self is like swimming upstream against the current. We're living in a generation of the the humble brag We're living in the generation of the selfie. Uh, The current of this generation moves towards self-promotion. It moves towards pride. It moves away from self-deprecation. It moves away from humility. I understand at this point I'm at the risk of sounding like the crotchety old man who's screaming, get off my lawn. I get that, but I'm willing to do it. And, you know, call it a generational thing if you like. But I was talking about this last week um, at at Sacramento that, that a lot of Gen Zers and a lot of millennials asked me if I ever got counseling when I was a kid. And, and I encouraged that, but my daughter Taylor had asked me that before too. <clears throat> she said, Dad, you know, did you ever get counseling when you were growing up? And I was like, oh, <laughs> honey, <laughs> counseling? Like, I couldn't ask my dad for water during baseball practice. Like, that was a completely different generation. Um, but this is less about a conflict of the generations and more about the conflict of selfishness versus selflessness in our own minds. This generation is all about self-care, self-compassion, self-promotion, self-ease, as we said. None of those sound really others 1st None of them really sound very Jesus-y. Uh, I'm gonna talk about this more when we get to humility, but, but to get to the point where we're actually even considering being others-first, <clears throat> we, should, we shouldn't think less of ourselves, but we should think of ourselves less. Does that make any sense? We shouldn't think less of ourselves. We need a good self-esteem, but we should be thinking of ourselves less. We need to think of our own wants a little less. Think of our own needs a little less. Think of our benefit a little less often. And think beyond little old me and think about other people's benefits more often. A Christ follower's life isn't ultimately, ultimately about building little k it's not about building our own little kingdom. A lot of people are doing that, but that's not what it's about. This generation's version of the Lord's prayer would be the Lord's prayer would be my kingdom come, my will be done. On earth I don't give a rip about heaven. But that's we know that's not the Lord's prayer, right? A Christ follower's life should be about building big K. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Let me be a part of that. We we have to stop making life about building my name and my brand and my nonprofit and my base and my ministry and my kingdom, it's ruining our business enterprises. It's ruining our politics. It's ruining our society. It's ruining many of our churches. We need to start building up our name, our brand, our ministry, and his kingdom. Amen? That's what we need to be about. Some of y'all looking at me really disapprovingly right now. It's all good. I'm not saying it, right? This is all Apostle Paul saying it. Number two, practice humility. How about that one? You don't see that a whole lot anymore. You you never did, really. Honestly, you you don't see this. this, You've never seen it as often as you should. Philippians two five through eleven. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So Paul saying Christ, literally, in essence <clears throat> and in nature was God, didn't consider being God something to hold on to for his own advantage, but wanted to divest himself of being God "'For our advantage.'" He, he disadvantaged himself to advantage us. Wow, that, that is true servanthood. <clears throat> "'Rather, he made himself nothing "'by taking the very nature of a servant, "'being made in, in human likeness, "'and being found in appearance as a man. "'He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, "'even death on a cross.'" Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. <clears throat> it's a great passage. This is where the upside-downness of Jesus' way really gets upside down. Paul's saying, for the life of the believer... It isn't a race to the front of the line. It should be a race to the back of the line. It shouldn't shouldn't be an exercise in trying to get the hook up. It should be an exercise in trying to get the hook up. Uh, A lot of times when you hear a message on evangelism or teaching, uh, you just want to try harder. You know, I'm going to grind it out against my will and just do it even when I don't feel like doing it and approach people that I don't feel like approaching. Just get better and and try harder and get better at it just by trying harder. You you can't do that with humility, right? Humility is a tough one, right? Humility is the one thing that you can't brag about having, right? I'm going to write a best-selling book. What are you going to write it on? How humble I am. It's going to be on the New York Times bestseller. It doesn't work like that, right? Again, I think about the generation we're living in right now. What are some of the advances that are happening in this generation? Okay. Well, we're making some progress on making a better workplace and, and better workplace environments. And certainly I am all for that. There were some companies where the workplace abuse was unthinkable. And the mistreatment of employees was repulsive. And praise God that that's happening. But, wow, what's being asked of now, the pendulum has swung so far, in many instances, is is excessive. This generation wants so much in self-care. It's asking for months and months off for, say, maternity leave. They want mandatory time away from tech during work days, and they want mental health days that are in addition to sick days. I had someone call in in the morning one time and say, Pastor Bob, I need to take a mental health day. <clears throat> and I'm like, okay, you know, are, are you okay? Is there anything I can do, you know, for you or your family? And they were like, no, I, I just can't come to work today because I'm feeling a little sad
1: We'll be back to this podcast episode shortly, but we wanted to take this time to give you an opportunity to give. Why do we give? At Midtown, we believe that giving is both an act of worship and a command. And the psalmist says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So when we give, we're simply giving back to God what belongs to God in the first place. For those of you who give regularly, thank you. And if you're new around here, there's no obligation to give. We just encourage you to give however God is leading you. You can give digitally on our website or our app, but let's take a moment to pray right now. God, thank you that you have given us an opportunity to partner with you in the work that you want to do to display your goodness and your love to the world around us. So God, take this offering right now, multiply it and use it for the good of your people and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's get back to our podcast episode.
0: I was like, we're adults at work. We're, we're all sad in here, you know? I mean, <laughs> you'll fit perfectly. Come on in, you know? <laughs> but does any, any of that sound like humility, you know? And, and they're being very professional sounding when they're making these demands, but, but then, you know, you're posting selfies on Instagram or TikTok, you know, hashtag self-care Saturday. You know, talking about how you binge-watched Hulu for six hours, and then you did retail therapy for three more hours, and took a nap, and ate two pints of Ben and Jerry's Chunky Monkey. I mean, I don't know the difference. Is that self-help, or is that a cry for help? I, I don't know which one that is, right? But, but either way, don't get me wrong, if, if you're working for a Fortune 500 company, ask away. I mean, Get them. Right, get 26 months for maternity leave, and get 28 for paternity leave while you're at it. Get a couple months for mental health days while you're at it, and get that hybrid, you know, work from home thing, too. If you're working for Elon Musk, take it all from him. <laughs> get it, right? But, but man, if you're working for the local small business, even, you know, God forbid, if you're working for the church, th- does making all those demands for yourself really sound like humility? You know, and, and does putting the burden of all those demands on the people of the congregation really sound others firsty? Neither the local business you're working for, nor your church has that $5 million endowment for your, you know, hashtag Wellness Wednesdays that you want three times a month off for. How about, how about if we just act like brothers and sisters that care for one another? How about that? Including employers, right? Well, what if we're all caring about others more than caring about self? We'd be helping each other through life so much that we wouldn't need self-care, we'd have team care. What about that? If we're all humble enough to act that way. Does that make sense? How about this one? Because um, we get this a lot in church life because so many people come to us for relationship advice. You're in a long-distance relationship. How many of you guys have been in a long-distance relationship at some time in your life before? They're difficult, right? I mean, they're They're tough. If you've never been in one, it's difficult. They're, they're tough to survive and thrive in, and they are a tiny bit easier now because of all the technology. But honestly, you know, all of the technology in the world doesn't make up for being apart from one another. Um, and so, it's like being able to see them in high def, kind of moving away from you. So you get to see them moving away from you, crystal clear. Uh, sometimes someone will tell Letty and I that, that they're, they're in a long-distance relationship and we'll poke and prod. Um, but when they tell us that there's no current plan to ever live in the same place together, I tell them usually, that's actually better known as breaking up. <laughs> Am I right about that? I, I mean, unless you have a plan to like live in the same vicinity together, that's really what's happening. But, but when you're actually in one, Sometimes you have one person in the relationship who goes on and on about how difficult it is for them to be in the relationship and all the reasons why long distance is tough and they can't maintain their joy, but the other person is going through all those same difficulties in a different city, that's the only difference, but they happen to be more humble, and so they don't communicate all those difficulties because they know that doesn't help anybody. So it appears that the noisy one is being more sacrificial and caring simply because they're the loudest about vocalizing their complaints. But the reality is the one who isn't speaking about it isn't speaking about it because they don't want to make it all about them. They're the ones who are being humble. Does that make any sense? You smelling what I'm stepping in right now? Yeah, honestly, we have got a golden opportunity to shine right now. We live in a world that is being flooded with entitlement, and the antidote to entitlement is humility. Humility isn't, it isn't being weak, and it isn't being meek. That's what a lot of people think humility is, being soft and passive and getting run over and reserved. No, the essence of humility is using your strength to help other people. It's using your gift to advance someone else's gift. It's using your wealth to advantage someone else's economic status. <clears throat> Y'all really ain't feeling me today. I ain't going to stop, though. No. I, I battle with this one, too, just like you do. But, but this, is, this is the essence of living a Christ follower's life. <clears throat> and it doesn't mean you have to give up all your strengths and all your gifts and all your wealth away to people, it just means that you don't mind using them to to their advantage. It's a lost art in our world. Number three, y'all with me? Excuse me. Thank you for that one par clap right there. Nice par, Pastor Bob. Number three, purpose your heart. Purpose your heart. Give your heart some purpose. Be intentional about it. Philippians 2, 12, and 13. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. God has planted a seed in every single one of you, and that seed is purpose he wants us to carry out. Man, I hope y'all are listening right now. It's a good purpose he's planted in you. And Paul is saying, we'll all have to wrestle around a little bit with our own salvation to find it clearly and discover it clearly. And life can be very unfulfilling without finding that purpose God has planted in you. Let me tell you a few things that you've never heard before. These are words that haven't been uttered. I'll give you like four, and then I'm gonna give you a real one that counts. First one. the state of california is lowering taxes for everyone you're never going to hear that you can forget about that okay just just don't don't wait on it number 2 i can't wait to move to modesto <laughs> I'm not going to hear that now if you're modesto look many people have moved to modesto and modesto's a perfectly Good town. But nobody's going, I can't wait to move to Modesto. The Las Vegas Raiders Raiders are going to make the playoffs. (laughs) I love the Raiders. Even though my my godson plays for the 49ers, I love the Raiders. But no one's going, they're going to make the playoffs. They might make the playoffs, but no one's going, they're going to, right? They'll say they're in the playoffs when they get there. Four, dad, the present I bought you for Father's Day is a whole lot more expensive than the present I bought mom for Mother's Day, so don't tell her. Never going to hear that because it doesn't happen, right? All right, number five, this is real. You'll never hear anyone 49 years or older say, my entire life I've been doing meaningful things. And helping other people improve their life. And I'm tired of it. I want to do something that has no meaning at all. You will never hear anyone 49 years or older say that. Regardless of how purposeless life feels sometimes, there is something in every single one of you that wants to live with a great purpose. It's a part of the human condition. And Paul is saying here, you better not neglect that. You better pursue that, and you better wrestle with that. And, and, and we here at Midtown Church will say, you should think about really linking your life's purposes to what the church purposes are. Well, why not parallel your purpose to his purpose? A servant's heart is connected to God's heart and God's love. Uh, and God's heart is that his church, Christ's bride, be successful in bringing about hope health, and healing to communities of people all sourced in Christ but through Christ's people. You should honestly consider linking up with that. Now final thought, if you're doing that, prepare to sacrifice. Prepare to sacrifice. Philippians 2, 14 through 18. First off, do everything without grumbling or arguing, some versions say complaining, so that you become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. You want to shine like a star in the sky? Quit. I want to, I almost said the wrong word there. Quit complaining and moaning and groaning. As you hold firmly to the word of life, and then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. Paul talked about all that he did. It's not going to be in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on a sacrifice, a sacrifice on top of a sacrifice, and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you should be glad and rejoice with me. The Apostle Paul is the same one who authored the line, we are to offer ourselves up as a living sacrifice. That's your spiritual act of worship. Again, I apologize, but, but hardly anybody in the generation we live in now is willing to sacrifice anything. But sacrifice isn't is something we do once or twice a year when we fast. Sacrifice is a way of life for the Christ follower. I'm not making this up. It's not just in the Bible. It's not just the Apostle Paul talking. Sacrifice is Jesus' talk. It's the way he walked. Jesus said this in Mark 8. If you don't have it in your, in your U you version or, or open your Bible to it, trust me and you can check me later. He says in verse 35, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me and the gospel will save it. Jesus is saying at some point, we all have to move beyond whatever might be a fringe benefit of being a Christian because at some point, every one of us is going to have to sacrifice something or some things or somebody. At some point, Jesus is going to ask you to say no to self. He's saying if you're going to follow me, you're going to have to die to self. And his people back then were stunned. They, 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 They thought he was touching on the negative before he started saying this stuff. But now you're putting rims and tires on the negative, Christ. You're getting depressing. But Jesus goes, no, whoever wants to save their life ultimately is going to have to live a life of sacrifice. That's all. Whoever, he said. Who's that? Who's whoever there? It's all of us, right? Everybody wants to live and eat indoors. Whoever wants to live, right, that's why you bought that new tonal fitness machine, right? That's why you're juicing right now. Some of y'all haven't heard me say this before. My doctor started, my doctor was on me. My doctor was like, you got to start juicing. All right, cool. What you want me to do? Start juicing celery and spinach and broccoli and kale. Man, I tried that stuff. I was like, doc, I'd rather have diabetes. I'm good, I'm good. But the next verse, Jesus says something that should give us all pause. If we've been unwilling to make some sacrifice, Jesus says, what good is it for a man or a human to gain the whole world yet forfeit his or her soul? In other words, what good is it if you did nothing but create your best life in this world now? And you did that for 70, 80, 90 years. You had the best car, you had the best people cleaning it every day, you had the most manicured lawn in the nicest neighborhood in Sacramento, you had the most handsome husband, had a cabana boy cleaning the pool who was pretty cute too, never had to wait in any lines, you had other people waiting in lines for you, ate everything and everything you ate was healthy and tasty, You had tickets to everything, you had the best people in the world to go to the things you had tickets to. What good would it be if you have a perfect life in this lifetime, whatever perfect life means to you, what good would it be to have that life now if you're able to peek over the fence and look into eternity and see, oh shoot, I forfeited my soul? And I don't care what your worldview is right now, the answer to that question is no good. It wouldn't be no good. Now, is Jesus talking about heaven or hell in that verse? I don't know. It doesn't say. But that's not the point. His point there isn't to talk about the theology of heaven and hell. His point is that the last thing we should do in this lifetime is to care and to make this lifetime so perfect that we forfeit whatever is in store for us over the fence into eternity. And then Jesus says, or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? And we hear that and go, man, I hadn't really thought about that. And Jesus is saying, you should think about that. He's in effect saying, if you could take a peek over that fence and look into eternity and see that you forfeited your soul in the next lifetime, what would you go back and sacrifice in this lifetime and give back in order for your soul to be okay over there? Whatever it means for your soul to be okay. I bet I know your answer. I bet you know my answer. We would sacrifice anything for our soul to be okay. I mean, what you want, God? You want the Benz? You want the house in Malibu? I don't have one, but do you want it? <laughs> you want my subscriptions to the over-the-top, you know, streaming services? Take all them things, all 19 of them, Right? right? Can't have my dog, though, Lord. Can't have my dog. No, yeah, you, you could have it for my soul, but can't, yeah, it's going to be a tough take. Bottom line is we, we value our soul over anything. Salvation is free. It doesn't cost you a dang thing. But following Christ will cause you to die to self a little bit. It'll cause you to sacrifice some things. Listen, serving, service, servanthood calls for sacrifice. But transform people and transform lives and transform communities is worth it. Amen? It's time for you to lean into what your church family is doing in the community and learn more about your church family's mission and get to know some of the individuals by joining some sort of small group. It's time to find a place to serve in. We need people serving in children's ministry and youth ministry and set-up ministry. We need greeters and ushers and connection people. It's time to become generous and join the, the effort and giving towards all the stuff we need. We need a prayer team and members and chaplains. It's time to start regularly praying for your church. It's time to go to things like Wednesday night at Seasons 56 with Tyrone and Raquel and everybody to hear about what exactly is going on. Please stop taking so much from the church. Please stop. Stop getting served so often and start to serve your brothers and sisters. Amen? Please. I'm going to close, I promise. I want to go back to purpose. Purpose has a price. Purpose has a price. You think about everybody great who had purpose, you think about Jesus, he had a little bit of a price there on the cross. You think about Martin Luther King, Dr. King could have lived in a cozy corner of the northeast if he wanted to. He had multiple offers to just be a teacher and a professor. Could have lived a great life. No, I feel called by God. I'm going to go down to the south where it's all crazy right now. He knew what he was getting into. Purpose has a price you talk about any company. Purpose has a price. Talk, CVS. Who hasn't been to a CVS? Everybody goes to CVS. CVS, their purpose, their purpose was providing things for help for people in every neighborhood. That's their purpose. The end, the end is CVS the empire. Yeah, everybody wants to be at the end. Nobody wants to be a part of the purpose. Purpose is a means to an end. For example, Salvation for all is an end, but Jesus' purpose, his perfect life, his sacrificial death, his supernatural resurrection were the means, the end was salvation. Very few people want to be the means to an end, very few people, because being the means means sacrifice. We're asking many of you to actually enter into the center of the body of Christ here at Midtown and join in on a life of sacrifice which ultimately is the ultimate means to the ultimate end, eternal glorious end, which actually never ends. And as we said earlier, aren't transformed lives and people and neighborhoods worth it? Are they not worth it, y'all? They're worth every little stinking sacrifice we can give. Let me pray for y'all. Let's bow. Dear Heavenly Father, You just sometimes you just feel the room and feel, um, kind of a wall put up. And and different people have a wall for different reasons. And some some of those reasons are, man, I've been serving, right? Yeah, I'm wanting everybody else to jump in. And sometimes those reasons are just. Somebody's distracting somebody, or sometimes those reasons are it's the enemy distracting us. But the need is still there. And so I have to push through the wall that's up and go, man. We need to be a people who make it known to the rest of the world that sacrifice is how you live. Dying to self is actually <laughs> living. Living for, we're not, we're not important enough to live for ourselves. We need to live for something outside of ourselves. And so I, I hope that is explained well enough for all of us to go, yeah, I, I get it now. So really quickly, I just want to pray for, first of all, for anyone, for anyone who's going, man, um, I don't know what it was, but, 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 but you, you, you went through a different avenue. But just today, I, I, I see the, the, the picture and the, uh, the, the dichotomy between life here and life in the afterlife. I, I want to actually connect myself to God in a way that I haven't. I want to do that through Jesus Christ's work on the cross. Anybody in here say, yeah, I want to do that for the first time. Just raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you. Nobody's going to be embarrassed. Nobody's going to be pulled up to the front. Anybody here, raise your hand. Second of all, I see you. I see you. Yep, yep. Dear Lord, there, there there's some people here who say, yeah, for the first time, I want to connect with my heavenly Father through Christ's work on the cross. And I understand that his work was the atonement and the penalty for my sin and now I can receive forgiveness and eternal life from my Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord. I just pray that um, these people would just maybe afterwards come forward. We don't want, again, we don't want to embarrass anyone. We want to hug you, love you, welcome you to the kingdom, pray for you, and and be a part of your new walk. Anybody else in here, let's push that aside, as, as glorious as that is. Anybody else in here go, you know what? I I want to make a recommitment not to Christ, I believe in Christ, but I want to make a recommitment to being a part of his kingdom, so to sacrifice a little bit so that I'm not only concerned with my kingdom, but I'm concerned with his kingdom. You want to raise your hand right now? We can raise it as an army. A couple people say, yeah. Three people. four people. Uh, I, I got to be honest with y'all, uh, I, I do not mind sitting here in the face of either the enemy's work or pride's work. We, we are not leaving this building like that. If you think I'm wrestling with you, I am. How many people are willing to say, I am willing to sacrifice a little bit for his big K out of my little K? Raise your hand right now. Okay. Okay, that's something to work with. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you, Lord, that, that, that there, is, there is a majority of people who go to church on this campus who are willing to say, yeah, Lord, you can have a little bit of mine so that yours grows. And so that it's all, it's all not about my brand and my nonprofit and, and, and my thing and, 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 and my little kingdom. It's about yours. I, I pray that all of us would start to live that way. And anybody who wants to talk to any of us about that, feel free to come forward. We love you and appreciate you, Lord, and we do this all so that your kingdom will reign. We say this and pray this not by might or by strength, but through your spirit. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, amen. God bless you. I hope this was helpful to you. We'll see you here next week at Margaret Fortune High School.
1: Thank you so much for tuning into midtown church be sure to subscribe to this podcast for weekly messages to stay rooted in the word and for a dose of hope health and healing in your life want to get more connected to midtown church just visit us online at midtownchurch.org